that's really scary for store teams to do to senior executives. But if you are humble about this idea that you're not doing everything right, and you hear it from the field and you fix it, and you share that back with them, they will engage with you and you'll retain that team in a way that you've never had before. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. Okay, folks, I am so excited to share today's episode with you. I am sitting down again with Ron Thurston, who you may know as author of Retail Pride and now host of the podcast Retail in America. He brought his love for the retail industry to the next level with his latest project, and he is traveling the country in an Airstream to visit stores and brands all over America. So he's having some intimate discussions with senior executives, store managers, even associates to better understand their challenges, their goals, and most of all, what they love so much about retail. Obviously, we're in a fast-moving time right now. Consumers are eager than ever to go back to stores, but there are some issues, for lack of a better word, that stores need to navigate in order to provide the best possible experience. During today's conversation, Ron and I tried to connect the dots between what he is hearing from his show, the conversations that he's having, and how that relates to what's happening in the headlines. Listen in because we unpack some very interesting points around culture, around training and empowerment, and most of all, just how we want to show up in the world. Ron always brings the inspiration and the insight. So again, very excited to share this episode with you today. Ron Thurston, sir, it has been a while and you have been up to a lot. It is so good to sit down with you again. Thank you, Alicia. Likewise, it has. You were so generous when my book came out and really showcasing Retail Pride. So it's nice to come back almost two years later, I think, and do this again. I know. it's Time flies when you're having fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I am definitely having fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's start there because you have been very busy traveling the U.S., in an Airstream for your Retail in America podcast. How has the experience been at a high level? I have very specific questions, but I mean, how are things going? I can't say enough good things about retail aside, which we'll speak to, traveling this country and kind of living in nature, living outside after spending the last decade living in downtown New York City is life-changing. The beauty of this country from the mountains and deserts and, you know, I, I could be very kind of stereotypical of what, of the beauty of this country, but it, it's true. And when you drive through it and you kind of experience it and then you live in these campgrounds around the country, you really experience these very small cities and the idea here of what it really means to live in America. And it's fascinating. And I've absolutely loved it. 
Yeah, I could imagine the little pockets of joy that you get just being able to travel and experience. Like, I know a lot of my traveling lately has been very work <laughs> oriented. So you have a very specific goal, a very specific destination in mind, and you can't really enjoy those little moments in between. And it seems like you're doing that, which is great, but you do have a bigger mission, a bigger goal in mind for those listening that aren't aware of everything that you're doing right now. Um, why don't you just provide that at a high level, you know, what your intention is for this? And also, I mean, you, you've been doing this for a while now. So has that mission changed or evolved now that you've been traveling the country and meeting more people and having more of those moments that that you were talking about. Yeah, no, thank you. I'd love to to back up a little bit for anyone that doesn't know. I was a longtime retail executive, vice president of stores for brands like Intermix most recently. I ran Saint Laurent as the vice president of stores for North and South America. I ran Apple stores and Tory Burch and I began my career at Gap. I have spent 30 plus years working in the field of retail. And I wrote a book called Retail Pride, The Guide to Celebrating Your Accidental Career, which was so kind of generously received in the industry and around the world as a book that celebrates the front lines of retail. And I think what we didn't know at the time of the importance of that conversation would continue to evolve during the pandemic. But more importantly, just the future of our industry is so rooted in stores. And we've discovered that even now, post-pandemic, there's so much today being written about the importance of stores and that traffic in malls is back up to 2019 levels and openings of stores is at its highest level ever. Like All of this conversation about stores is rooted in people. And so what I wanted to then do is say, well, could I have conversations and take retail pride and bring it to life. And the only way to do that was to go to the front lines of people doing the work and have conversations with them about what are you doing? Why do you love working in retail? Or what are your challenges? What are the brands that are doing great things? Who are the leaders? Who are the founders? Who are the people that are doing great work? And I knew the only way to do that was to travel the country and meet them and to have these conversations in person. So this kind of whole, what started with my husband and I taking a year off and leaving New York City turned into, well, could this be a book tour? Could this be this idea of celebrating retail in America and who's doing really great things and let's go find them. And then some brands like Spotify Advertising and KWI and Ubik came on board and said, we'd love to help you. We would love to help make sure your message is elevated. So it became a podcast and some video content and just the conversations are incredibly inspiring every day about these people that I'm meeting. The idea of seeing it in person versus doing it from Zoom in New York City is very different. And it's more emotional and it's Every conversation I've had on my podcast has been in person. Some, a lot of it here in the Airstream, but some of it in their store, some of it live. And so I, I wanted to create the platform for people who don't always have the ability to share their story and give them a voice. And that's been my mission. And that will continue up four months into at least a year. 
And this is, there are so many stories to be told, more than I could even ever find. It's incredible. Yeah. I really think there's something to be said about going beyond just the brass text business talk. You know what I mean? Like we've had lots of experts, including yourself, you know, talking about the importance of physical people, right? And, you know, how we need those individuals to bring the store experience to life, to connect with consumers, and that we as humans are still hungry for that. And I know that really rang true during the pandemic, you know, when we were all sheltered in place. And and now we're seeing it really reach a new level because we missed it. I feel like going back out into the world, at least for me, like I was like, oh, I can't believe how much I missed this. Like I know we saw each other at NRF and, you know, it was still a very different experience than in the past, but we were still like, oh, there's nothing like sitting with you here and being able to dig a little bit deeper beyond like, oh, how's work? (laughs) You know, like it gives us that inroad or that opportunity to go a little bit deeper. Yep. Agreed. And when you hear the stories of the pandemic, post-pandemic retail careers and how the industry is evolving, it's even more emotionally engaging for me. Because now I think there's this idea of we understand the importance of people and we also understand the power of maybe manufacturing in a different way, you know, the supply chain challenges and things. You know, I met with a brand called Kitsbo when I was in Asheville, North Carolina, who has created David Bilstrom as the CEO and took all of their production and moved it from overseas to Old Fort, North Carolina, and built a factory and taught people how to sew and created all of these jobs. And what you order on their website is what they create. And so it's like production on demand. And they can deliver it within three days because they've built a factory where they ship it from. And so these ideas of how do you create new business models, new energy, new jobs, new careers, all of this is very much where we stand in the industry today. And I think those brands that really aren't paying as much attention to the evolution of retail are going to be left behind because the other challenge, as very well documented, is that there are more jobs than there are people. And so then every candidate has the ability to say, wow, if everyone in the mall is hiring, I get to choose. And who do I want to work for? And that says, is it culture? Is it where your product is produced? Is it leadership? Is it the resources and tools that you have? Is it training and development? How can my career grow? All of these great questions that candidates can now ask. And they say, you know what? Thank you. But I see that this company over here is providing the opportunity for me to grow my career or to invest in more training, or has more resources. And that is, again, another evolution of our industry, is that every brand has to be their best and say, well, that may have always worked in the past, or I could recruit candidates because of the name of the brand, the power of that brand, but that's really not enough anymore. And you've got to think bigger and you've got to think more, maybe be more bold in how you're going to invest in frontline retail today. 
Yeah, completely agree. And we'll get into some of the things that, that you've been hearing from those folks that are in the trenches that are experiencing that those larger ranges of options and, and different inroads to retail. But I want to ask you about just your overall experience and how it is kind of connecting to your work that you've been able to do with Retail Pride, whether it's through the book or through your sessions or even, you know, some of the networking experiences that you've been able to lead through your speaking. Because like you said, you've been able to speak with brand leaders, store managers, associates. You even got to speak with Sarah Jessica Parker, who I think is a great example of someone who is in the trenches with her brand and the people who are doing the work. So, I mean, what have been some shining moments for you? And maybe with her, maybe with in other interviews, how are you seeing the dots connect, I guess? Because you said a goal was to kind of bring a greater level of context to retail pride. So what were some aha moments for you? Thank you. So I'll start with Sarah Jessica Parker. And and that conversation happened because of KWI. So her brand, SJP Collection, is a customer of KWI. And so this magic kind of came together a couple of months in planning, I'm not going to lie. But it is a really good example of founder-led businesses that understand the importance of human connection in retail. And so if you listen to her describe the store in, in 54th Street opened in March of 2020. So then they had hired this team and they it was formerly the Louboutin store. And then they went on this journey of home delivery and, and how can, you know, she lives downtown. How can I bring shoes to someone that lives downtown? Answering the phone, how can I build a business in pandemic and then post-opening what did that mean to her? And so I think people have actually been surprised that how engaged she was in this business and is very much today. So it was a great joy for me. It was terrifying, I'm not going to lie, because it was a room full of people and cameras and microphones and everyone staring at you. But it was a real pleasure. But to answer your bigger question, I think the through line that I've already discovered very much is often careers in retail are very attached to other people that they've engaged with. And so it isn't that they describe necessarily the brand. What always comes through is I had a leader who saw me, who recognized something great and encouraged me to stay in retail. Or I I had a leader who trained and developed, someone I really aspired to be like. Or and so there are always names attached to people. And it has attached to careers. And I think that is very unique in our industry because we think of ourselves as being very self-taught. Retail is a business that you have to do the work. There's no replacement for reading it in, in a book or specific education. You have to do the work. And if you're lucky enough to have great leaders around you and you work for companies that provide resources, that's how people grow their careers. But in every conversation, people's names come up versus something else. And that I knew and I attached it to my own career, but I didn't really understand the power and I would say the responsibility of all of us that work in leadership roles to identify people that show a spark, that show an interest, that have a skill that we want to amplify and invest and encourage them 
to choose this potentially as a career or find their path. Maybe it's to corporate, maybe it is to another brand. And there's also this perception that because the turnover rate is so high in retail that we shouldn't invest because they're only going to be here for six months or a year. And that's actually the exact opposite of what people are looking for. The reason they leave is because they weren't invested in. No one paid any attention. The onboarding was rough, was kind of thrown out there to do my thing. No one really paid any attention to me and they leave. And instead saying, I have the opportunity as a leader every day to find people, find the magic in people and celebrate that and feed it and give them stretch assignments, give them more responsibility, find resources for them. And that's the best version of leadership in retail is exactly that. It's not some crazy, like overthought training program. It's leaders who do the right thing for their people. And that could be as simple as, you know what, you're really good at that specific skill. I really observed you doing this and I really want to encourage you to do that more. And here's how I'm going to help you. That's all that people want. And I love hearing those stories. And that is every touch point so far has been related to people in their careers. Yeah. I think that's a really powerful point. And I think it just really reaffirms the importance of listening watching, like you were talking about finding like that magic in someone and figuring out ways to amplify it. That takes not just the hustle and bustle of just like, this is the to-do list, get all this done. It's like really spending time with someone and investing beyond like the monetary stuff where like, oh, you can do this training program. It's like getting to know them, finding what really sparks joy in their work and why they're still with the company and why they're still with retail as a whole, right? Because there are a lot of other employment options out there. So figuring out what that little that little nugget is and figuring out ways to like zoom into that and invest in it more long term is is super powerful. But I mean beyond that, because you know, you have gone and are still going all over the country from Areas like Miami to Boston to Memphis, Asheville. I mean, are there any other, let's go to, I guess, priorities and even challenges, right? Like we were talking about earlier. I mean, retail is going through this moment of reinvention. It's super exciting, but I could imagine too, depending on the size of the company, the maturity of like their processes, there could be some challenges there. What have you seen? Like, what are some commonalities and and maybe even variances, right? Like, I'm sure Miami versus Nashville could be a little bit different, right? Definitely. So I think to set the stage, you know, my experience of the last decade living in New York City, you're so rooted in luxury and the best version of every brand and the flagship for every brand and the volume and the traffic. So you're used to all of this kind of best of version. And what I have discovered when you get further outside, particularly in in some smaller cities, it isn't the best version of the store. And you also have to very much recognize that the investment that needs to come from headquarters in people is just as great as if you're in New York City. So those differences, yes, in Miami, you see maybe similar to what you would see, but you to New York City, but you get into 
Yeah, Asheville's a really good example. Even like Austin, not even Dallas, I would say. Dallas has a huge, you know, kind of mecca of also retail. But like Memphis is a good example, or Nashville is a good example. These are kind of second tier markets that may not have the flagship, but yet have powerful presence for their brands. And that's in in specialty and some in luxury. And they don't always get the attention from headquarters that major cities do. And what I really encourage all of us that are in leadership roles is spend time in those secondary markets, tertiary markets, and really learn what's going on. And they don't get that. What I have discovered is they have very low visibility to their corporate office. And the other thing that I didn't have exposure to in in New York were brands like Walmart and Target and Home Depot and the big players in our retail world. I didn't have experience. I've been in a lot of Walmarts. I'm in Park City, Utah now. It was in Walmart yesterday. And it was unbelievably gorgeous and well-stocked, clean, neat, organized, found everything that we needed from groceries to socks to something for the Airstream. Like I'm obsessed with Walmart. But I would say the execution of Walmart all across the country is inconsistent. Home Depot is very inconsistent. Target, they're inconsistent. So you would find, I found incredibly thriving versions of these brands and some that were really sad. And so I think that that's the other piece here is you can't assume that every brand is doing it the same way within their own ecosystem because they're not. And that is often the function of a great store manager, a great district manager, like what's happening in that market. And that execution of how to do some of these big retail businesses, and I'm fully aware how complex this is to do, but they're not always done at the same level. And that, I think, is an opportunity that I've seen already in the industry, that every customer, no matter what city you're in, deserves the best version of your brand. And that's not the case. Yeah. No, I think it's definitely a noteworthy point, a very consistent challenge for a lot of those big players. I mean, I even see variants just in New Jersey, where I am, like the different locations within 20 miles or so from my house, because we love our targets and Walmarts here. We got a lot of them. (laughs) But even within this little pocket of New Jersey that I'm in, there is a lot of variance. So that lack of consistency, maybe even visibility that is happening at headquarters. I mean, what other pressures are those higher level executives feeling? I mean, I'm sure there's a connection to, you know, what we're hearing about the great resignation and, and those challenges is that that lack of visibility to stores. I'm assuming that ties to people, right? I mean, is there anything else that's worth noting? I would say it ties to people. I would also say it there's a lot of conversation about inventory levels being overstocked, being understocked. I've seen a lot of versions of both, that that's very inconsistent. Today, availability of product or too much product. I don't have the facts to back this up, but what it seems to me is that outside of some other major cities, there isn't as much of a hiring problem. You know, I was in the mall here in Salt Lake City on Saturday, walking around, and there was an occasional like hiring sign. But for the most part, Everyone was staffed. The mall was packed full of people and everyone's like shopping, buzzing. You know, I would say Macy's and Nordstrom, again, not their best version of this brand in a suburban Salt Lake City mall, but specialty wise, booming. 
And that I love to see. But I didn't see that there was a staffing issue or that stores were closed or limiting traffic to come in because they didn't have enough people or any of those versions. So I think the challenge is every city has its own kind of culture and uniqueness that I wanted to discover that's unique about the customer, about the team. And the only way you really uncover that is by going out and seeing them. And so as someone who was a head of stores, I really pride myself on the fact that I was always out in stores, always traveled as much as I could, spent time with teams. And that doesn't mean that you come in with an entourage and tell everybody how good their business is and then you leave. The best thing you can do as a leader is sit down, listen, be willing to accept the feedback of what you're doing well and what you're not doing well as a company, and then do something with that feedback. Come back to them and say, I really appreciate the fact that you shared all the things that we're not doing well as a company. And that's really scary for store teams to do to senior executives. But if you are humble about this idea that you're not doing everything right and you hear it from the field and you fix it and you share that back with them, they will engage with you and you'll retain that team in a way that you've never have before because they just want to be heard and they when you can solve some of their problems, and they're usually not overly complicated, then you can make magic with your brand. I think that's a long answer to your question, but it's about inconsistency and visibility that maybe we don't always have in our industry. And I could imagine too, as someone who is in the store day in and day out, you kind of know things that people at headquarters simply can't know, like the little nuances of the store, even the consumers, what they're saying. So, I mean, it's in everyone's best interest to listen to the people in the stores, but it also makes the associates or even the store managers feel that they're actively involved in the brand in a much deeper level, which I could only imagine would help them feel more engaged and connected to the business. Like, okay, I'm actually making an impact here. I'm helping drive things forward. I'm helping create the best experience possible for my customer, which kind of tackles that engagement and loyalty issue that we're hearing and covering so much about right now. I'll give you a few examples, Alicia. So when I was in Asheville, I met with Charlie Maloof, who's the CEO of Ashley Furniture in the Carolinas. And that man is so engaged with stores. In fact, he himself does onboarding for every new hire in the company on their first day. Most of it's via Zoom, but he does like corporate culture, onboarding, sales training himself as the CEO of Ashley Furniture because he very much believes in that customer experience in furniture and the sales teams, their job title is memory makers. Because he believes so strongly that when you're buying furniture, you're buying things to create memories in your life, that furniture creates memories. And it's true because they are the things that you use most often in your home. What's a dining room table and every holiday and special occasion is about memories that you've had around this table. So we visited a store together, and then I had two of his team members on my podcast, and to hear them describe their experience mostly because of Charlie and their experience selling furniture is so powerful. 
And when so when you hear that, you immediately put that connection of the more engaged you are from the top, the more the team really works that much harder. And then I was in Memphis and met with these franchise owners for Buff City Soap, which was a brand that I didn't really know. We don't have it on the East Coast very much. But Buff City Soap is a brand where all the product is made in the store. They only make what the customer wants. It's made with cake mixers and bake pans, and it's 100% vegan. And they literally do it in the store at a bar. They make the product. And here are these franchise owners. They have about 30 locations today, scaling to 200 in the Tennessee area. But to watch them engage again with the team, we recorded the podcast with them in a Buff City Soap location with a whole bunch of their team from other locations. I just have never seen people that were so engaged in a company that love what they do, but because here are the owners of the company, the president sitting there having a conversation with me, but they knew every single person, they hired every single person. Some of their family works for the company. And so if you're hiring your family, you know that you wanna do the right thing. The podcast episode that comes out this week is with James Avery, the brand, which if you're in Texas, James Avery is an iconic, important brand. And so I interviewed the CEO and the granddaughter of James Avery himself. And she grew up in stores. She was in Houston working in the James Avery stores as a store manager, grew into a store manager role before she went to corporate because she wanted to understand how does the customer describe this brand? And the only way you do that is to work in a store. So here's the granddaughter of the founder working in a store before she becomes the head of marketing. And when you hear them describe this 68-year-old family-owned brand that still manufactures 100% of everything in the hill country of Texas, we did a tour of the factory. They, I mean, I spent an entire day learning about this brand from these people. Every single employee in 110 stores is highly engaged with James Avery. These are just moments that you say, how can we replicate this? How can we be even more tuned in to what's happening in the world, what's happening with my company, and get those frontline teams ready and excited and engaged and know that you're listening and know that you will do something special for them and that you are grateful, and you'll give them what you need. They've been there this whole time. You know, there's no work from home option in retail. So they have to be there. And when you recognize that and you celebrate it and you thank them, the world is ready to continue to celebrate your brand. And for me, it's exciting to watch and find those stories that I didn't, I would never have known if I didn't come here and, and meet them in person. Yeah, that's great. Definitely, I'm sure a lot of brand stories and experiences that when folks listen to the series, they'll be like, oh, like how can we, like you said, how can we replicate this? Or, oh, we do something similar, so how can we scale that or make it a more consistent process within our organization? Which, I mean, that that's where the inspiration becomes practical and tactical, which I always find interesting with storytelling and, you know, content creation, because that's the goal, right? It's not just to inspire people and, and create these really, you know, awesome moments for humans to connect and share their stories. That's great. But to actually make it tangible 
for listeners. I mean, that that's where the magic happens. So, I mean, to that end, you know, that there are some areas of the retail world where people are struggling to fill certain slots. They are struggling with the balance of the automation of focus and like having employees do that versus service and figuring out what consumers want. There are some areas where, you know, there are some question marks. People are trying to find answers and and connect with their people in stores and better connect with people who are coming to stores. So, I mean, what are the store associates saying that you've been speaking to? Are there any, you know, takeaways from those conversations that you think are noteworthy, you know, for the people that are maybe struggling right now, are dealing with the great resignation and all this stuff right now? Yeah. What I hear from stores, most importantly, is that they wanted everything to be probably easier maybe more streamlined, maybe using some technology like a Ubic platform that gives them everything that they need in one place. Because of my partnership with Ubic, I'm in many of the brands that use this platform. And so what they'll say to them is, what I'll hear is all of our training, all of our corporate communication, all of our visual directives, we're engaged in this platform every day. And then it removed email, it removed Slack channels, it removed WhatsApp. It took all of this away and made it easier for me. Because what every store manager knows that works in stores is you have very limited amounts of time for anything other than being on the floor with your team. It's just one example of if you can use technology to make it easier, then that's a great selling tool for recruiting. But I think to your question around recruiting and hiring, this is when those great store managers are critical to this juncture. And so what happens here is that if you have a store manager who isn't as engaged, isn't as interested, doesn't really believe in the mission of the company, isn't being given those resources, they're not very good recruiters because they don't know what to say versus someone who is fully engaged in their brand. And I've met a number of these people who can talk about why this company is important to work for, why it's exciting, what you will gain, how your career will grow, how much they love the product, maybe what the product is doing that's different, i.e. Buff City Soap or a James Avery, like that are doing things that are unique. They're not just creating more product to sell something. They're actually doing something special and there's a memory attached to it, or there's a story to tell. If you get store managers who are proud of what they do, and that, by the way, this is my favorite audience when I'm asked to speak, are store managers. It's not executives. Right. Yeah. Because they sometimes get an, actually annoyed with me and <laughs> that I'm so like, get in the store. I love to speak to store managers because if they're proud of what they do, they don't have a hiring problem. They don't because everyone wants to work for that person take the brand out of the equation. You meet this person and you're like, I want to work for you. You're incredible. That is the magic to unlock the hiring opportunity is get the store teams, the leaders of the store teams as engaged as possible through corporate communication. But don't just leave it to itself that it's going to, that you have a QR code on your window and that you put up, you have the biggest sign in the mall doesn't matter. That is not, it's about human connection and the conversation that you're having in the store. And even as a customer, you're sometimes you're in there and you're like, wow, I'd love to work here. 
that's how I felt at Buff City Soap. I'm like, I want to work here. I want to make soap. Yeah, exactly. Like, these people are so much fun. <laughs> and it was like, I don't know, something about Memphis charm, like the Southern charm just is very engaging to me. But it's like, those are the stories. And there's no one answer to your question, Alicia, but there are human behaviors that I believe really enable what the future of our industry really will look like. Right. So, I mean, to that end, we're kind of coming up on the end of our time together, Ron. I feel like every time we get on the phone, the time just like zooms by. And I'm like, how long can I keep him on the phone? <laughs> how much longer can I get stuff out of him? It's also hard to make me stop talking about these things because I'm so obsessed with <laughs> That's why with we're it. perfect together. It's magic. <laughs> so those it human is. behaviors, I mean, obviously, when we dig into all these different topics and the great conversations that you're having, the work that you're producing, which really is a labor of love, by the way. So thank you for everything you do in that regard. But to kind of close the loop on everything that we've talked about today, are there any closing, I guess, takeaways or those key behaviors that you just mentioned? Any things that the people listening right now, whether they are managers or executives, we do have our our fair mix of those, anything that they should kind of take with them as they think about you know, we're going to be running this, we're going into holiday, we're going into 2023 planning. I think there's just like a bigger conversation of how do we want our brand to show up in the world and how do we make sure we rally the right people together to bring that goal or that mission alive? And I don't know, maybe maybe I'm just pie in the sky daydreaming right now. But I mean, I'd love your thoughts on like how we can kind of put all of these great stories into action, keep this love of retail alive and just really, really show those bright spots, I guess. Yeah, thank you. I mean, here's how I would answer that is through like where I started this journey, which is around retail pride and pride and retail are not two words that we really ever put together because this is, it felt for many millions, I would say of people that their career in retail and stores specifically was thought of as a less than job, as a temporary stop to something else. When are you going to stop working in the mall? when are you going to get a real job is something I hear from almost everybody. That's the message that they receive. And so as an industry, as a company, the more pride you can instill into your teams about the importance of their work, then they show up and do the right thing for their customer and for each other. And I mean that in that pride is very much a choice that they choose of like, how am I going to show up today? And am I proud of the work that I'm doing? And I've seen it on both sides. If the company is not providing all those tools and resources and training and development and investment, they're not really proud to work there versus the kind of the leader I described before that is fully engaged and you can't get enough of their energy is someone that's really proud to show up. I'm I'm saying this because through the last couple of years, Retail Pride will be out two years in October. This is a conversation that's happening all over the world. And I just had a speaking engagement in virtually in South Africa. And my book is really popular in South Africa. And so when you think about this idea of retail and retail pride and how we engage in an industry, we're all more similar than we are different. And you may just sell something different or the design of your store is different, but human behavior at its core is that we want to do a good job. 
every conversation should be about the importance of their work in retail. And the, that shows up in how we engage with each other and then with the customer. And that it's so powerful when it isn't just a retail job that you are, if I just took one example, I'll just take James Avery because it's most recent. There are charms that were created by James Avery that are from moments of time in his family, special occasions or when his granddaughter went to camp that he would make by hand that are still part of the line that you can buy today. So that there's every special occasion that you're celebrating is about retail. And you're finding those moments in time that are attached to experiences we have in life. So if you can put that together, then all of a sudden you have all of this energy and all this power that we can celebrate in retail. It's not about selling things. It's about human behavior and about engagement and how we connect through retail. That is the power of our industry. Amazing, Ron. Well, as always, it's a pleasure to sit down with you and just dig into the work you're doing, the things that you've been seeing. What's next for you? I know you're in Utah now, but what's next on your agenda? So I'm most of August, I'm in Montana, which I've never been before. And there's not a lot of retail, so it's a little bit of a break. But then starting right after Labor Day, it's Seattle, Portland, down through the Bay Area, down through Southern California. I'll have several book signing events and retail networking. I'm definitely some podcasts already getting lined up from really cool brands like Evo out of Seattle, Prana in Portland. And there's so much happening in the Bay Area. Of course, I'll dig in there and have some things already lined up in LA. So that will take me basically the West Coast through the, through the end of this year. So camping on, you know, the Pacific Coast Highway doesn't seem so bad. So yeah. <laughs> that I'm looking forward to. <laughs> Excellent. Well, well, we'll definitely be on the lookout for more episodes of the show, more videos. We'll be sure to link to those in the show notes, too, so everyone can click and dig into all the great content that you're creating. But for now, sir, thank you again so much for taking the time and safe travels as you venture through the world. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Alicia. It's always a pleasure. I really appreciate your support very much. Of course, of course. And to all of you, um, we'd love to hear from you about your thoughts on this episode, any ways that you're keeping Retail Pride alive. We would love to hear from you on Twitter at our touchpoints, on LinkedIn at Retail Touchpoints. And Ron, as you may know, is always on LinkedIn, always willing and excited to chat with the community. So share your questions, share your thoughts. We'll be sure to keep this conversation going. And if you haven't, subscribe to the show. We're having fantastic conversations with folks like Ron all the time. So you will get uh, dibs, so to speak, on new episodes as soon as they're available. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, frankly, anywhere else. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up. <laughs>